Hello, legends. Today, I catch up with Cub member Courtney Joyce, the CEO of Virtual Spotter, a technology business with over 100 staff that provides offshore support to franchises in the health and wellness space. Courtney left a safe and well-paid job as a coal miner while he had four children and three mortgages to pursue his dream of being an entrepreneur. We discussed how taking the first step is the most important and often leads to an unexpected second. The importance of self-belief in life and business and how not just to find it, but how to share it. And how servicing a very niche market can be the best way to enter a crowded space and industry. Courtney has an impressive story and mindset. Enjoy the show. You left a very comfortable, well, I, wouldn't, I don't know if mining is a comfortable job, but it's a very high paying job. Yeah, it's very, it's very comfy. With, with four young kids yeah. and three mortgages yeah. to go do something you've never done before and start a business. Correct. Yeah, correct. What made you do that? I think for me it was about trying to create flexibility and freedom of my life. Like I I'd always, even as a child, right, like I had these sort of envisions and dreams that I would – accomplished something amazing. It was mostly professional sport. Like I thought I was going to play rugby league. That's what I thought I was going to do as a kid. And then like even when I was 16, I couldn't have imagined having a normal job like at all. Like it was never, it was not even a thought, right? And then what I realized from 17, 18, 19 was that I had like an an element of natural talent, but I didn't have, I wasn't doing the work that was required to, you know, make it to the next stages. You're saying in, in terms of footy? In terms of football, yeah, yeah. In terms of, you know, what it, what it took to play professional rugby league. And then uh, at that age as well, I'd moved out of home and, you know, so like, I wasn't relying, like, you know, like, I wasn't relying or I didn't have the, the support financially from my parents and it was just like, you know, we partied a lot and then I fell into a employment and then, you know, all of a sudden I had injuries and then it wasn't an option anymore, right? So, um but for me, I, I found myself in um, in employment. I found, when I found myself in mining, it, it was exactly that, dude. It was comfortable. I could earn a lot of money. Um, I loved it in the beginning, right? It was amazing. It, it, like I didn't have any kids then. I just had my my wife now, but we were just together. And I could earn great money. I have a lot of days off and I could do whatever I wanted. Like it, it gave me a lot of options. But um, as time went on, it started taking more than what it was giving me. Right. And, and I felt like a ghost out there. Like I wasn't, I didn't identify as a coal miner. I felt like I was stuck. Um, and I felt like I, I was wasting away. Like I needed to do more. And, um, it was actually one Christmas It was a few, probably like five years ago now, right. It was a Christmas and I had four weeks off at Port Stevens with my family. I'm like, I don't want to go back to work. Like this is a nightmare to me. Like I need to figure this out. And what that would have been early thirties then. Um, and I was like, I, I, I don't know what it is, but I need to figure it out and I need to back myself. And, um, yeah, I just started at that time. It, I was just like, absor- I used, I transitioned the last four years of my coal mining career. was just like a platform I used to educate myself. I just listened to bulk books, bulk podcasts. I just researched everything. Went rogue on the personal development. Dude, like crazy, man. Like I would listen. So in, I would, we would work 12 and a half hour shifts, days and nights. So rotate days and nights, 12 and a half hour shifts, right? It was a nightmare roster. But during that time, I could listen to, you know, like out of them 12 and a half hour shifts, I could listen to 10 hours of books, you know, 11 hours of books. Like I could absorb like a huge amount of content and I've done that for years. And I would just write out these crazy business plans without knowing what a business plan was. But I, and I would just also jot down in journal like um, like things that I was thinking um, and things that I wanted to do. And it just sort of manifested and grew into this, you know, um, I had like a base level of understanding of what I needed to do to run a business or I'd read a lot of leadership books. I'd le- read a lot of um, uh, marketing books and I was just sort of started applying or started looking more objectively in opportunities. And it's interesting though because whatever your brain focuses on yeah. is what happens. 100%. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it it's just whatever you're focusing on. If, Correct. If you're focusing on negatives or negative shit, it pops up everywhere. If you're focusing on, wow, what, what the, opportunity, the, you know, the opportunity there is for me to do yeah. and you're reading all this stuff and you're reading about other people who did great things and, and learning from their lessons, like that happens eventually. Yeah. Like, Correct. It's, it's amazing the power of what you focus on. Correct. And I think that culture as well in the coal mining is a very negative culture, right? There's a lot of – it brings like a lot of privilege. There's a lot of, there's a lot of whinges. There's a lot of whiners. There's a lot of people that are unhappy and it's very easy – 
like I'm a typically a pretty upbeat, high energy kind of dude. And like that over time just completely wore me down. You know, like people would gravitate towards me to try to leverage my energy, right? And I would make them feel good about being at work and that would take it from me. And are, are you from a country town being a coal miner? Or yeah, so I was. Coal miner? Yeah, yeah. So I What's was. What's your background? Um, dude, I lived heaps of different places. So I was born in, in a country town called Mudgee. Um, and I spent, I was there for a couple of years and then we moved around heaps as, as kids. So my dad ran supermarkets um, and he would get, you know, shuffled around to this regional store, that regional store, he'd open one, he'd refurb one and he was kind of like the go-to man. Um, and off the back of that, um, like we got shipped around a lot. Um, so I think I moved, dude, we, we lived in like 19 different houses before I was 18. Like wow. we moved a lot. How do, how do you think that impacted you? At the dude, at the time, I hated it. I hated it. But as an adult now, looking back on it, it was one of the most amazing things that ever could have happened. That's interesting. Why is yeah, that? Because it allowed me to have skills. It's interesting, right? So, uh, as a kid, especially in primary school, um, you know, like school's tough. Like kids are tough, and um, and going through and changing so many schools was like challenging, right? Because you're forced to make new friends all the time. But there was an element that was even a little bit more challenging for me was that like my name's Courtney, right? So it's typically a girl's name. So I'm going into all these new environments and just getting fucking slagged on all the time. And so as a kid, man, I hated that, right? Like no one wants to feel pain, especially when like these other peer groups, you're, you're forced into this new environment. It's like, hey, there's your new school. You get dropped off out the front and off you go. And I would go through the same thing all the time, dude. So it was like I could, I knew what was going to happen, right? There would be that group of people that would like pick on the new kid. It's, it's an easy one for me. I've got a girl's name. How you got to blah blah blah. So that was like copy paste throughout my whole primary school. And then I used to hate. I as we do, but it's like I used to pray that my name was different, right? As a child, like it, it it hurt me. But then as an adult, I'm like, that's the fucking the coolest thing that ever could have happened was that I would have a name that would differentiate myself amongst the group. So there was two things that happened. By me getting shipped and shaped around um, so much as a child, it, it, it gave me, like I was forced to have these people skills that like a normal person wouldn't acquire. So like I could go into any environment and instantly make an impact in that room. I could instantly, and then also too, it's like for me, it's like I didn't want these guys to pick on me as a kid. So I would start going into these new schools and instantly be like the charismatic one, the high energy one, the one that was like before, like I was trying to like bamboozle these guys and just let them realize that I was a good guy before they could find out that I had a girl's name. You know, that was silly, right? But like looking back on it now, that gave me skills um, that I can apply in business that, that you can only acquire through experience. Like you can't read about that in a book and apply it. Like you have to live that and you have to go through it. And yeah, like, so, so now as an adult, I can, I can, um, very simply, you know, create relationships, build networks. Um, there's a, there's a massive point of difference. I'll lean on my name now as a point of difference. Like I'm different from the, I'm different from the Simons. I'm different from the Marks. I'm different from the Nathans because, you know, my name differentiates, differentiates myself. It's cool. It's interesting. And you don't know, but you could argue that all that, um, adversity and moving around created uh, or got you used to thinking independently of groups. You know, you were able to separate yourself from groups and, and, and do your own thing. And that could have been what helped you, you know, break from the coal mining, Yeah, you know, saying, you know what, I'm, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. I don't want to be here. I know I can do my own thing. I know yeah. I can build something for myself. I've done it my whole childhood. Whether yeah. you thought about that yeah, you know, yeah. logically or it was just something happening, you, yeah. you don't know. Like, I think pain creates, you know, so, uh, sometimes or, or it's got the opportunity to create an equal up, yeah. you know, an equal positive. So yeah, bad has the opportunity to create an equal good. Yeah, dude. And, and Same yeah. as challenge, right? Like it's same. Like typically if something good happens, like prior to that, there was some sort of challenge. Like it's hard for you to identify like good without bad. It's perception. So like we don't know what hot is without experiencing cold. We don't know what a lot is without experiencing a little. We don't know what love is without experience, you know, pain. You know, so like you have to have both of them sides to understand where you are. Yeah. And yeah, there's just that balance. And, and I think people, it's all about their mindset. Like if your mindset is enabling you to find the uh, – the positive that may come from that negative, yeah. you you have the opportunity to find it. You Correct. can find it. And yeah, if it, you're looking for it, right? Yeah, and yeah, it's how yeah. people talk. Like yeah. I met this guy, a handyman at my farm, 
last week. Really nice, like r- real nice guy. Started his own like handyman business. Yeah. He's only young. He's only 25 and I think he started a few years ago. Anyway, he was saying – because he was seeing my farm and he was saying to me – I said to him – sorry, I said to him because he was fixing all this stuff. I was like, man, I really wish I – you know, I knew how to do that. It's yeah. such a handy yeah, – <laughs> such yeah, a handy yeah, skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, I, I would switch places with you in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, 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 um, and I just said to him, I was like, well, you know, you can actually. Do, yeah. Doing what you do, you can. Like I was – I was explaining to him there's so many Sydney people that have you know, big country houses in the Southern Highlands and yeah. around where we are and that none of them know how to – they're all like me. None of them know how to screw anything in or fix yeah. a door or do whatever. And I was telling him, you know, gyms like Jim's Moe, yeah. all that franchising. I was like, you could create an amazing handyman franchise business all across the yeah. thing, do great digital marketing, send them leads. That's all these gym guys doing anyway. Correct. And and his response was, oh, yeah, but, but you need um, – it's too hard. I'd need some capital to start it. Yeah. And as soon as he said that, I was like, okay, you, you haven't got the mindset to, to actually, because that's not hard to do. You could do that. And, yeah. you know, he can make enough money to, to, to put some basic contracts and shit. Yeah. But his mindset wasn't, he wouldn't be able to overcome his mindset at Correct. this point in time anyway. Yeah. And I just left it after. I was like, I just said, look, if you ever do want to do it, let me know and I'll, you know, I'll show you how to. Yeah. But, but I could see his mindset was wrong. Whereas I bet you, Back then, if, if that was someone like yourself or yeah, pretty much all the cub members, yeah, you know, and someone said that to them, they'd probably be like, "Oh, mate, can you show me?" Like, yeah, yeah I'd yeah. love to do that. Yeah, yeah. or they try themselves, right? Or they, you know, they watch. Yeah, or, or they're they already trying. Yeah, yeah, correct, dude. It's a huge. Like, I think um, mostly the biggest barrier is yourself for the most part, right? Especially when you need to like make a commitment to get going because no one cares about you as much as what you need to care about yourself. And no one can care. Like you can't care more than what I can care. And you can help, you can really help that guy. But un- until he's ready to help himself, like anything that you do is totally just a massive energy. Suck. Yeah, that's it. Help themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's like you can't, like you can't care more than them. You know, like you can't help someone if you care more. Because, they have to care. And also the, it's just wasted energy. Correct. Because you're caring on something that the care's yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. and, it's not producing. And it's interesting, dude, because the opposite is true, right? Like when someone does listen and someone does, like they might even just apply one little thing, like that makes you feel good. You're like, oh, wow, like I helped that guy with this one thing and I can see, like it might be like you might have helped him around marketing. It's like, dude, like I don't even know what your business is called. You need a sign on your car. Okay, and he's like, oh, that's a good idea. I never really thought of it. And then he goes away and the next time he comes back, he's got a sign on his car. You're like, oh, wow, like he listened to me. That's cool. And then all of a sudden, like he's showing you that, you know, that he can take action upon the things that, that you do, dude. There's so, there is so many opportunities um, and there's so many people that we interact with every day that if we ask or if we listen, that it can completely change our life. Yeah. You know what is interesting too is like often when people say something to you, like a new idea or an option or their opinion, you're like often your immediate instinct is to shut it down. Yeah. Like, and even if you're someone that's open minded like me, that's, you know, try, I'm yeah. trying to learn. And, and yeah. I'm sure you're the same too. I'm, most successful business people would be, I imagine. But, but even then, you still often, like, I'll find myself, like, if a mentor says something, or my, my old man says something to me now, like, my first instinct is always like, shut it down. And then, you kind of go away and you think about it and you're like, okay, maybe I should actually go back and ask and, and get more detail as to why they think that is an yeah. option or how, you know? And so whilst, you know, so maybe like what I'm saying is maybe he shut me down then, but maybe he has gone Yeah, yeah, like a plan to see. Yeah, because like I do that too. Like I yeah. always come back to a mentor or to people and be like, you know what, can you, can we actually just talk about that in a bit more detail? Because maybe that is a good option. You know? Yeah. So I just think it's good for business people to, to remember that that by nature we you, you might just you know shut things down or ideas down at the start, but that doesn't mean you're shutting it down in general. Yeah, it just yeah. means your brain needs to take a moment to think about it. I think naturally, yeah. like entrepreneurs are naturally like contrarians, right? It's like we want to not not argue, but we want to debate things. And I think that um, if you can debate in a really in a not and you, you can't do this with everyone, right? Like you need to build some sort of relationship first so people know where you're coming from. But like if we have a disagreement on something, like it's a really healthy thing, right? Because like your point of view is this, my point of view is that. And we can come in the middle and we can sort of debate our own opinions and and then forge one. It might be like for one of us, it might be a new one. 
So I think like having information, I had this thought right the other day, I was like, I don't, I haven't really recently had many opinions toward things. And it was just a really weird thought, but I was like, why is that? And I realized it was because like, I haven't, I, I stopped reading as much as what I was prior. So it was like, I wasn't, um, I wasn't consuming as much information. Therefore, like I, I wasn't forging more new opinions. So I think having opinions is amazing and having strong opinions is amazing. But like, so long as they're not so strong that if you bring information to me, like I need to be open and willing to be able to change that with new information. I think that's where the growth is. It's like, I don't, I don't necessarily want, same in business. I don't want us to agree on everything, but just so long as we can respect each other, that if we do disagree and we can have a conversation and we can, then we can, you know, shake hands and go, you know what, that's actually a really good insight. I didn't think of that, but you need to remove the ego. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you should be happier if someone changes your opinion. Yeah. Because maybe your opinion's wrong. You Correct. know, like yeah. I, I, I would get more excited if someone convinced me of something that I didn't initially believe because yeah. that means I actually did grow. Yeah, correct. And, you know, I, I shouldn't just be trying to f- force my opinion on them just because it's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, like it's it, it, that type of growth, I, I get, it's an overused word, I guess, but growth mindset, I really, maybe that, I feel like that, that that's what it is. But just back to your actual businesses. So you got four kids, three mortgages, and you you – were hating, you loved coal mining, you started hating it, you started consuming a lot of content. What was the trigger point that yeah. made you quit? What was the moment of quit? So there was, what did you do? Yeah, yeah. So there was, um, I had a friend that had a service based business in the Hunter Valley. So I live in Cessnock. And for, so I come back from that, from that holiday. I'm like, I need to figure this out. Like, I need to, I need to find a, a different avenue. And my whole goal was to replace my income, right? My mining income, I need to replace that externally. And so I was earning, I think it was like, I was taking home like eighteen fifty a week. Okay, so I'm like, that's my goal. I need to replace this income, and then I have flexibility and freedom of my time, and you know I can do what I want. And like my, I knew that I could live off that, right? Because I was at that moment. Um, there was a business that was for sale, and it was a cleaning business. I had no interest in cleaning. I knew nothing about cleaning, but I was like, that's an opportunity there. I looked at that business. He wanted one hundred and ten thousand dollars for it. They were doing about five fifteen rev. Um, I took it to my account and I'm like, "Hey, this is like they're paying themselves two grand a week, like between the two partners." I'm like, "I can buy this business for one hundred ten thousand. I can do what they're doing, and then that's my income." Laughing, I'm not with coal mine anymore, and I can create flexibility and freedom. And did you have one hundred ten grand, or were you going to? No, borrow I was going to borrow it. Yeah. yeah, 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 dude. I had no money, right? So um, the. And we went through it. He's like, uh, I don't, I don't think this is like the wisest thing. There was a few account again, knowing nothing, but like there was one account in that business that accounted for like forty five percent of the total revenue. So it's like that that client move leaves or moves or whatever, and it's gone, right? So I'm like, although I'm, although I want this to happen now, I don't, I don't need to rush it. So I'm like, I, I still. The deeper I looked into that, I was like, there's a cool opportunity. I met the two dudes. I'm like, I feel like I'm better than both of them. I feel like I could sell better. I feel like I could build better teams. I feel like I can deliver a better product. So I'm like, Hey, let's just chill a bit. I'll start my own cleaning business and I'll do exactly what they're doing, but I'll just do it better. Okay. I'll, I'll keep my job in the coal mine and I'll grow it externally that like a side hustle, right? I was like, let's do it. So I'm um, in 2019. I created a business called Hunter Valley housekeeping. Um, and that business predominantly cleaned holiday accommodation homes. So like in our area, there's a lot of tourists. It's a lot of short stay combination. My business was going to clean them. So I'd done that. I started it. Um, I started and it was purely just that, right? I, I designed logos. I, I set up a company structure, a website, like very basic. And then I, um, there's looking back on it now, there was two very important things that I'd done. Um, and there was, there's two property managers, two big property managers in that area, right? I took them both out for lunch. This is before I generated a dollar. And I introduced myself to both of them and I said, look, like what would you want in a, in a cleaning business? You know, like it's a big part of their business is like it's a third party that services, you know, their properties. And they rattled off, you know, these 10 things that they both wanted and wished for. Um, and I went away and I, I built out structure of like what that looked like. And then I went back to them in like six months and said, hey, just to let you know, like everything that you've sort of told me and expressed, like I've done. And like, I'm not saying that you're going to just, you know, start sending me business, but like if people let you down, I'm here, ready to go. And uh, I started making cold calls as well, right? I would introduce myself to like random holiday accommodation around and introduce, this is what who I am, this is what I do. I wouldn't expect you to change and jump over to me now, but if something happens, I'm here, ready to go. And, and you know, what happened was that 
um, these other cleaning businesses did let them down because in that space it's a very fragmented mum and pop industry and they can't scale through busy times, holiday periods, Easter periods. So it's like they need bigger teams. Um, and I put myself in a position that I picked up one property, two property, three property. They took a gamble and gave me one. I over-delivered, over-served, and then they give me the next one, the next one. And it's like for me, similar to coal mining, if I got a new skill in a coal mine, like uh, like they taught me how to drive a dozer or an excavator, right? I was like, they give me this opportunity. It's up to me to, you know, to ruin it. I looked at the same thing in business. It's like I've got this job now. It's up to me to lose it. So I just like over-deliver and over-serve so I can get more. That went from – so 2019, um, I, we had – so I scaled that. We're doing – it was amazing, dude. Like I learned so much in that business. The cleaning business was amazing for a f- number of reasons. Purely – the first of all, it's not a sexy industry, right? It's No one's like bragging at barbecues around owning a cleaning business. It's, it's a very um, low-skill labor. It's not a sexy job. But off the back of that, because it's not sexy, a lot of good operators don't go near it, right? Like they want the seller doors. They want all the sexy business. They want the marketing agencies. So it's like there's a cool opportunity for me in here to build an amazing team, um, create a platform for predominantly women in my local area to use to generate income for their family. So I looked at Hunter Valley House came like a platform that these guys could use and they could, if they didn't want to work Wednesdays because of X, Y, Z, they didn't work Wednesdays. They could work inside school hours. They could do whatever they want. And I'll just, you know, so long as they delivered an amazing product, I'll be fully flexible with them. And a lot of other people or a lot of other businesses just won't do that. They're like, Hey, I need someone to start at eight o'clock and finish at three. They're like, well, I, I need to drop my kids off at school. They're like, no dramas. We'll go to the next person. So it's like, there's an amazing person that, you know, can't find the flexibility that they need. Um, and I wanted to provide that. So yeah, we grew that business over the next couple of years, um, through COVID as well, navigating through COVID. Like I wasn't ineligible for any of the job keeper and stuff like that. Cause I was still brand new. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, the, we navigated that. We've got the whole upside of the back of COVID, which, you know, um, travel just blew up. Right. Um, so I got the whole upside of that. We scaled that to, you know, multi seven figures. I had 50 staff in that business. I then had, and then and then allowed me. So I, I replaced my income. That was under management. I left coal mining and ran that business for, for 12. So I left coal mining unpaid for 12 months. There was um, in the paternity leave contracts, if you had a child, you could take 12 months off unpaid. So I'd done that. I had my fourth kid at that stage. So I'm like, hey, this is it. This is 12 months unpaid. I'm still like technically employed at the coal mine. So it was like an insurance blanket, right? But it was like, there was no intentions for me to ever come back. It was like, I, um, and after like two months, dude, of like sleeping every night and not being in that environment, it was just like game changing for me. So, um, so you actually set up your side business and yeah. got it successful before yeah. you quit. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Well, and, um, it was a lot, right? Like working shift work, um, yeah, young family and, like we weren't allowed to have mobile phones on site. So like I would set up, like we might, we'll clean in 200 houses a week, right? In during the busier time. So like I would work for 12 and a half hours and like try to race up to the top to like open my phone for, you know, 15 Clients minutes. And- Dude, it was like this, that, and there's so many logistically, it's, there's so many moving pieces in that business, right? So, um, uh, it taught me a lot. It taught me how to forward plan. It taught me how to, lead and manage a team because that's what I did from the beginning, right? I was never hands-on in that business when I scaled it. I purely had – all the guys had responsibility from day one and I think that strengthened the business. That's incredible. Yeah. And so what happened next? What, what was after the cleaning business? So the cleaning business we started – so I had – Do you still have that? No, I sold it last – I sold it um, September 22. Um, yeah, so the, the lady that was running that business um, brought that – from me and like it's a little bit what we we're talking about before right it's focus like what you focus on grows and i was doing so much so i sold that business in 22 zach and i founded virtual spotter in 2020 so like i started virtual spotter with my brother while i was still having while i was still running that cleaning business and the cleaning business turned into the coal mine right so um that's how the opportunity come i had vas that run the back of that business um and without them i wouldn't have been able to do anything that i had done so the back of the cleaning business correct yep so they done like all the rostering they done all the invoicing they done um all the um dude everything all the ad- small admin yeah, all yeah, like it's it's a very labor intensive admin industry uh, job um 
And yeah, it was like I, I understood the value that a virtual assistant could bring me in the back of that business. I could you know, still work full-time in a coal mine um, and these guys could do all the work in the back end. Like if one of the cleaners had a problem or an inquiry, they would bring the phone and a VA would answer it, right? They knew everything about my business. And then uh, my brother had a – he was in a coal mine as well for the same amount. So I spent 13 years in coal mining. My brother spent 12 years in coal mining. He opened an F45 gym in 2019 as his ticket out. Um, and he had a VA in the back of that, the same as me. Like he was still working full time. Uh, the VA was running the back end admin, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we started growing virtual spotter and, and, you know, w- once we realized we had something, right, especially there was identified the gym first. Cause it was like, what's happening in this franchise business is, you know, in our, in, in Zach's franchise as a franchisee, the same things throughout the whole network, right? The same back end, the same systems, the same procedures. They're dealing with the same members. They're trying to sell the same thing. So I was like, wow, like we've just spent all this time you know, training this person to run the back of this business. And there's another 1,800 of these guys, you know, like that need it right now in, in the world. So it's like we started um, recruiting, training, um, mentoring, leading these VAs in the Philippines and then, you know, partnering with other health and wellness businesses, you know, to, to run the back end operation. Like other F45s and, and yep. other, other different Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because typically in that in that space, right, you have an owner operator. So you have an owner that is either doing the admin themselves at like eight or nine o'clock at night um, or they're paying a manager 35 or $40 an hour to do that admin, right? And it's just not, it's not cost effective when, you know, you can have your, your you sit at the top of the tree or the manager's, you know, on the next branch and, and they're doing the most fundamental, basic $10 an hour jobs. So, um, yeah, we started recruiting um, and, and you know, partnering with other health and wellness businesses. I, we saw a massive opportunity, massive early growth in that. So it was like, hey, a lack of focus. I need to move this cleaning business on. Um, it's done everything that it needed to do for me. It got me out of coal mining. It generated an income for my family. But for me, I've now what I felt like I hit, I hit another ceiling um, and we wanted to double down in, in virtual spotter and really grow that into a meaningful business. See, but what's such an interesting lesson in that story, and, and I, I feel like I say it all the time, but starting, no matter what you're starting on, yeah. is the most important thing. Yeah. Because, like, you started a cleaning business on the side. You yeah. had no interest in cleaning. You just needed – you wanted to start a business and yeah. you thought you were able to do that one. Yeah. Your environment allowed for that business to be an opportunity, being the Hunter Valley, having a lot of yeah. uh, guest homes and yeah. whatever, uh, holiday homes. But because you started that business, in order to op- operate that business successfully, you discovered what offshore staff are or Correct. virtual assistants Correct. are and used them successfully. Correct. And then y- your brother received the same lesson from the fitness industry. Yeah. And then you both realized, wait a second, this is really valuable for people yeah. like us. This is – we should focus on virtual assistants as yeah. a business. Correct. And, you know, sometimes – but you wouldn't have seen that business unless you Correct. took that first 100%, step. Dude, 100%. And so sometimes it's a question of – you don't need to take your first step doesn't need to be the step you want. Yeah. It sometimes you can't see what the second step is yeah. until you take a first one. 100% dude. You yeah. know what I mean? 100%. I actually had this thought this morning on a run this morning, right? It's like like we always like a lot of people put down like um like a lack of success to a lack of action. But I think what it is like it is that in a, in in a sense, but also we we have too many options. Like we, we are, we, there's like a buffet of options. There's so many options that no one knows what one to choose. So if we only had one option, it's likely we could put all our energy into that one thing and win. But there is like, what makes our country so amazing, um, is also what's holding a lot of us back is like, there is too many things to pick from. And through the, through the, through the abundance of choice, we just do nothing. Um, so yeah, like we, we saw that uh, there was a book that I read ages ago, dude, I d- can't even remember what it was, but there was a sentence that stuck out to me and it was, um, uh, this guy that he invests in companies, private companies. And it was like, he looks for, he, or he asks himself, he's like, is there a gap in the market or is there a market in the gap? So for me, the, the bo- boutique health and wellness is a relatively new industry, sort of like 10, 10 ish years old. And I looked at the virtual assistants. It's like, is this a gap in the market or a market in the gap? People have done VAs, and that certainly you know popped off the back of COVID and and working from home. But I was like, there's no one that sort of niched down into that space and like really um, the the biggest differentiate whatever however you say that right. The, differentiate. The, yeah, yeah, that word. The biggest thing is that. Um, you know, like we're not just like a normal virtual assistant business when it's like, hey, you have 20 hours of labor that you want to outsource. There's your VA, go train them, go mentor them. You know, I'll send you an invoice every month and, you know, all will be good. 
for us is like I want that's why we play in franchises, right? Is because I can understand the pain points in your business and then I can copy and paste them throughout the whole network. Well, and, and yeah, the lesson there though is that it, there's lots of companies that provide offshore staffing and VAs. Yeah. And there's a lot of industries um, that are that have a lot of competition in them. Yeah. But to avoid competition, sometimes the best way is to go as niche as possible. Yeah. And going niche and especially as niche as possible, in your case, fitness franchises yeah. or health and wellbeing franchises yeah. means that when uh, a health and wellness franchisee sees or f- yeah franchisee yeah, yeah. sees your your marketing yeah th- they know that's them. for them yeah, yeah it's yeah, not yeah. like it, it is they're going to look correct and and not just th- are they going to look but when they go speak to you they're going to realize that okay wow it, these people understand my business. Yeah. This is for me. This Correct. I need to do this. And you've got also a point of difference in that you can then train the offshore staff already of how they need to Correct. manage these things because you you needed that yourself. Yeah. So that's already a point of difference. Yeah. That's already a bit of like a a, a product that yeah. other people aren't offering. Correct. And that, I imagine that would have been successful uh, a successful entrance into the market. For Absolutely. Them. And I think too, especially in that space, right, there's a lot of people that are passionate about health and wellness. Like that's who buy a franchise a lot of the time. So like they're not the most amazing. many people. <laughs> no, dude. Yeah, they're not the most. They're not the most amazing business people. They're not the most amazing leaders and communicators. They just, they love training. So for us, it's like there was, we had churn in, in the early days because it's like, we would, we would have a VA and it's like, there you go, Dan, it's up to you to sort of do the thing. But the same things, you know, why you needed one were the same things that would churn that out. It's like, you couldn't communicate, you know, you couldn't even communicate to your in-studio staff. So how are you going to communicate to someone that's offshore? So we wanted to take away that, that, um, that barrier or that pain point and then like these are the 20 tasks that I know you need to do and then train them in each of them 20. So it's yeah, very simple. We wanted to remove as much communication from you to the VA as so possible. So you literally train the VAs yeah. before they even get to Correct. the yeah. – Yeah. See, that's a huge product that, and that you're just making the, the customer's life so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. And making it possible for them really. Yeah. So we jump on an onboarding call and go through that dude and then from day one they know everything. Right, so it's like we remove all that all that barrier, and they just go straight to work. The other thing about going really niche is that your marketing becomes easier because the companies you're selling to yeah. are a lot easier to find. No, so how, yeah. how how do you run your marketing? So, dude, like I'm terrible at this side of it. Right, we've got a lot of growth just organically, um, and then so now. But for example, I know it's, if I can service a fitness first franchise yeah. as well, I can look up where they all are and yeah, walk in. Correct. <laughs> so like um it's well, it's a lot of email, um, it's a lot of it's a, a lot of short form, even just like more recently, dude. I've just been like recording, you know, meetings with with our VAs, right? And just like putting I think that's like the biggest thing for us is trying to put personality and um trying to create personality and make these like scale these guys, let let all the owners know that these are real people. They're very beautiful people. They're very hardworking people and like trying to tell the story of of our team. And I think when when you can put a face to, you know, some of these admin tasks um, and realize that we are actually making a meaningful difference in the Philippines as well and creating like meaningful employment, then off the back of that, um, yeah, it just creates a really healthy working relationship. And so uh, how many uh, people so, uh, in the Philippines? About 120 at the moment. Okay, so it's become yeah. a, a pretty serious operation. Yeah, 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 it's good. Oh, wow. Um, Isn't that an amazing story? It's good, dude. Yeah, yeah. What's been the biggest challenge you've had in um, business? The biggest challenge was, I, I think the biggest challenge was similar to what I was talking about before, was just like um, through like an onboarding process or like, you know, leading and, and, and onboarding these VAs with all the skills that they needed to make the transition into like each studio like completely seamless. So. Um, again, like when you talk about opportunities or, or doors opening off the back of a different opportunity, like we we identified that the, the biggest churn or the biggest pain point was a lack of communication. Between so who? The, between the, the owner and the VA. Yeah, yeah. So it's like like who does what when and, you know, like and how do I do that? So like these guys, you know, anyone that's worked at the virtual assistants, they're very procedure driven. Like the more information like step by step you can give them, the better outcome you're going to get um, and the opposite is true. So um, – there, we started developing software that would um, communicate tasks from the in-studio staff to the VAs and just make it completely seamless. So um, we wanted to remove that, – that was our biggest pain point, lack of communication, and we solved that with, with our software platform. Oh, you built a software? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, you didn't tell so me we, that. So yeah, yeah. That so we – well, the – 
the interesting thing, dude, was like we were managing the, like the back end of like over 300 fitness businesses around the world off Google Sheets, right? It worked. It wasn't professional, but it done its job, right? Through lack of, just through like hardcore growth early, it's like this is where we are. And what happened was we started getting interest from the franchisor. So we were selling this thing door to door to the franchisee yeah, through, through word of mouth. food chain. Yeah. And then all of a sudden inbound, you know, these guys, there was like a HQ email that come in. It's like, hey, like we heard about you. We want to find out like, you know, why so many people are getting value and if there's something that we can do, you know, at a broader scale. And then we jumped on a call with them guys. This is probably, this is two years ago, actually. So this is two years ago. Um, and then they're like, like, I love it. Like, I love the idea. I love the concept, but there's no way we could get behind it when you're just running it off Google Sheets, right? And we're like, yeah, we know. Is that it's what a, they said? Yeah, like in a really kind way. Yeah, and it, But it was like, they weren't telling us anything that we didn't already know. But it was really, but the interesting part was that that fast tracked everything now. So like we got off that call and I said to Zach, I said, dude, like we have something here, but it needs to be more professional. Like we need to professionalize our offering and we need to, um, we need to improve our perceived value in the community. So we, I got off that call and then engaged, actually put it out to the cub app, right? And I was like, hey. How good is the cub app? So good. Yeah. Um, so I was like, um, I put out um, – this is what we're doing. This is what I'm looking for. Like, who should I talk to? And then, you know, as it does, it's like, like this person's great. That person's great, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then I had a, I had a, a chat um, to my boy Shashi. Um, and then one thing led to another. He scopes it up and it was like, dude, this is way more than what I thought it was. Right. I was like, I never played in tech before. I never knew what it was. And like, like, like how, how do I do this? You know? And then, um, the further we went down the line, the more we spoke, he actually come down the Hunter Valley, which is amazing. We went through it and I was like, no, nah, let's do it. Like, let's build this thing um, and and have a proper crack at really solidifying ourselves in this market. Um, so then we developed um, a task communication software called Cloud Tasker um, that communicates tasks to virtual assistants, it communicates tasks to in-studio staff, um, it integrates with the booking software. So, you know, like the, the booking software that's connected to the business, to the, to the fitness business, um, there's retention tools, there's member management tools. So we have a dashboard that presents key data to an owner. Um, and yeah, they communicate tasks throughout their team as well. So task communication, dashboards, retention, and just help helps an owner run the operations of their business because there's a really interesting thing, especially there's a misconception that like, if you buy a franchise, then you should have, Exactly what that I just highlighted. Yeah. yeah, but but you don't. It doesn't exist. Um, so like franchises do an amazing job at selling squares on a map and, and you know, some, some franchises do an amazing job in supporting their network and I think they're getting better at that through competition. But, you know, some of the ones that started early, man, was just all growth. It wasn't so much about the franchisee or just all creating a really structural business. It was growth of, of the HQ. And so off the back of that, like there was a, a massive opportunity for Zach and I to be able to build out what we would perceive as like a really cool operational tool to help an owner. Um, and yeah, so I got off that call, uh, contacted Shashi, we engaged him and and we've been building that for, you know, the last like nearly two years now, man. So we've had like five developers and, and, a, and a design lady who, who's a superstar um, working on that full time. Um, and to our listeners, uh, just so you know, Shashi is a Cub member. So I'm yeah. assuming... Um, yeah, Shashi would have replied to the Cub app post. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think uh, another dude who who I'm very grateful to have, um, Sirab, like put me in touch with him, right? And okay. it was like, who's also a Cub member? Yeah, yeah. Who's also a Cub member? And then, uh, yeah, we we just, dude. There's no way I would have, and without Cub, there's no way I would have been able to find someone that I knew or trusted, right? Like that's a part of the value for Cub is that it is a community of like not only like-minded people, but there's a community of trust yes, it's almost like trust. a filter like the it's being filtered right so i could put on there i could search you know software developer or whatever on google and you find as many responses as you want but it's like who do you trust um so yeah someone that comes from the same group as you that that is being filtered or uh, someone could put forward it's huge man like well that you're friends with bro yeah because yeah, you trust your friends like, yeah yeah that, that is a huge it's like being part of communities or having a strong network makes things possible that otherwise wouldn't be possible. Yeah. Because if you It's a cheat code. Yeah. Because if you weren't in that network, could you still do it? Yeah, you could. Like I could go on Google. I could search yeah. for this and I could go to this person's office yeah. and have this kind of cold transaction and lack of trust. But if I'm part of a group of people that there is someone that can do 
yeah, anything you need yeah. or any advice or support or whatever. Everyone's been through everything. There's always someone that's, you know, yeah. that can help you. You almost have no excuse not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you ta- you end up moving forwards a lot faster yeah. than, than you otherwise would. Because like your story is incredible. You went from coal miner to um, cl- cleaning. Yeah. To um, uh, coal miner cleaning to uh, offshore staffing and now to technology business. Yeah, wild, right? Yeah, it's really wild yeah. in a short period of time. Dude, like three years ago I was a coal miner. <laughs> three years ago. Three years ago I was a miserable coal miner. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, like fast forward now, we yeah, virtual spotters going yeah, amazing. T- we're a technology business. We're doing a second build at the moment that, that Shash is doing as well. So I have two technology businesses, uh, virtual spotter and, you know, like um, – yeah, I'm, re- I'm really excited what we can achieve with a, like a rolling start now. So, you know, we, we achieve all that from a standing start with really no idea other than, um, you know, what we wanted to set out to do. Um, and yeah, like I want to yeah, leverage all that experience. Um, and there's been like a huge amount of lessons on the way, right? That costs us a lot of money, but um, apply them lessons going forward. And yeah, it's really, really positive. Yeah, well, it does get easier. That's the thing. It's the, the first part is the hardest part. Yeah. It, it doesn't mean it gets easy. It just means it gets easier than the first part. Yeah. Like the first- I think like, it's simpler. Yeah. Well, no, you become better. Yeah. And also you have money. Yeah. Money solves most problems. Correct. If you have money, yeah. like you're not really worried about that much and you yeah. can try new things and you can afford to take that risk and yeah. you can afford to, you know, spend that money on that lesson, you know, Correct. and fail. Okay, that didn't work. It's that first, it's the first, I mean, yours was very quick so to go from zero to- you know, tech company with 120 yeah. staff is is in three years is, is, is obviously very quick. Yeah. But typically that first three to five years for a business yeah. is the hardest time. Yeah, like yeah. That, it's the it's the hardest. You're working the hardest. Yeah. You've got the least money. You're having to um, make deals that aren't the best deals for yourself just to get go, you know, just Correct. to get the wheels turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like you were saying, you are over-serving just for, for your cleaning, just yeah. to keep the keep, keep you, you're doing all of that at the start. Yeah. Then you learn all these lessons. You get a bit of a good reputation. You have your cash flow. You're just better at business in general, and you've probably seen what you wanted, or you've found your next big opportunity, yeah. and, and you know you're ready to take that. And 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 that's that like that's where you are now. That's where I am now. Yeah. And, and it's just overcoming that first part. That's that first part is where is where people stop. Yeah. And and even before that. Less people even ever start. Yeah, yeah they yeah. never take the first Correct. step. Like that's the real first part. I think there's um the other massive part of it as well is confidence, right? When you realize that you can do it, you're like, oh, like I can be this person. Like I'm proving it to myself. And then you get to ride that wave of confidence, and you know, and and compound that into the future. So you know, like there's nothing more powerful than than having confidence in yourself or your ability to be able to do the thing. And when you can prove it to yourself, it's just like it's almost game over. You're like, oh, wow, I can be the guy. It's so funny you said that. The other day I was thinking about um, – I was talking to someone about, you know, what makes people – because we were discussing um, my, with my friend Chris King, who's a cub member, he owns a company called Splend. Um, we were discussing what enables people to to start, like to take that first step because yeah. we're saying that first step is the one that not, the, the, no one takes essentially. Yeah. That's the hardest step. It's just starting. And what gives someone the opportunity to start? And there are things that happen like um, people get forced to start and things happen, whatever. But but I I was saying that I think self-belief, it's like confidence, self-belief yeah. or ego or whatever you want to call it, but self-belief is a nice way to say it, yeah. is the most important thing to yeah. someone starting. Because if you believe in yourself, I can do that, yeah, you, yeah. Will, you will do it. Yeah. And I started saying that like probably the most important thing I'm going to – do to my kids when I when I have them yeah. is just hammer those little motherfuckers with tons of self belief. Just make yeah. them think that they can do anything. Yeah. Like you can jump two meters, three yeah. meters in the air. You yeah. can run the fastest in the world. You yeah. just hammer them with self belief, and that will adjust as they go through life. But their setting, their preset will be: I can do that. Yeah, the default setting is going to be: yeah. I can do that. I can be the it's best. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah you, use that analogy, right? Because in my house, again, like for me, all my pain points are from like, I'm, it's, I'm from small regional towns. So like I haven't had access to amazing people that, you know, that was the reason why I joined Cub, right? And, um, and my children now, like having four kids, it's like, it's an incredible responsibility when, when your job is to um, 
guide, lead, and mentor these guys through life. It's like my job is to allow you and, and to show you that everything is attainable and achievable if you know you do these set of things. And I have this sticker. So I um I have this, so two things. Oh, there's more than that, but so my I have this sticker in my house. So you walk into our like our dining room, right? And on the on the there's a wall sticker that I ordered and it says you live in a small town, be mindful not to have small dreams. So like I want these guys to like see that every day. And it's like they they will likely look through that for like my eldest is 10, my youngest is two, they're young. But it's like I want them, they might not understand it now, they likely won't. But when they then when they're 25 or when they're 30, they will understand that dad had like these affirmations or like these things throughout scattered through our house that reminded me that like I could do all these things, right? And even like my daughter, she my daughter's a tap dancer, right? She she tap danced for Australia um, in Germany this year. She represented Australia in Germany. And above her bed, right, like I got this sticker made up and it was like, I am the tap dancer, I'm the best tap dancer in the world. Okay. With, with action, I can achieve all things. So like she was nine at that time. So she goes to bed every night with a massive fucking wall sticker across the bed that says, I am the best tap dancer in the world. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, like I'm going to do that. Yeah. And I think it's important that, and and like some people will think that there's ego in that or it's like, Hey, like you're, you're setting these kids up to fail if they don't achieve it. But it's like by, by if she, so she finished 10th in the, it's like bro, top 10. Yeah, like no, like that, that's incredible. Like that's a success. So the thing, we're not trying to win the thing. We're trying to put as much action and effort behind it to do the best we can. And like my old man used to say, you shoot for the stars. Yeah. You might not get to the stars, but yeah. you, you, you'll probably hit the moon. Yeah, and, that's know, right. No one else is shooting that high. So yeah. go for gold. Yeah, yeah. You but I, I, mean? I think it's incredibly important, dude, to understand because that's the thing as well. When, um, I had this thought about pressure. And um, so pressure to me is like if if I if I expect something from you, right, and I communicate that to you, like there might be an element of like pressure, like that's perceived pressure to you. But for me, it's like I know that you can do that, Dan. Okay, I know that you can achieve that. But you might have like a lack of self-confidence on yourself. You're like, well, I don't – like that's perceived as pressure. But like pressure is like a privilege because it means that someone believes in you. They're like, hey, I want you to do this thing. You're like, oh, like I'm not sure if I can. It's like I know you can. You've got to back yourself. And that's the same as having children. Kids don't know what they can do. Kids don't know what they can achieve. Adults don't know what they can do. You know, for the most part, adults don't know what they can achieve. So it makes sense that a child doesn't. So like we need to constantly like gently push these guys um, and interact with these and let them know that they can do amazing things and they have the support around them. Yeah. It's so funny how similar um, like being a dad or like leading a family, let's say, with your mum or the dad, and running a business is. Yeah. You know, there's just, I find them so, I haven't got a family yet or I've got a wife, so I'm halfway there. But, but, but I can see how being in business and, you know, my whole adult life since I was 21 was, was being in business. Yeah. It's all I know. Yeah. I don't know how to have a job. Yeah. And, and, I can just see how the lessons I've acquired in leading people and supporting people and caring for people and trying to lift people up, yeah. how that's going to translate the so same much thing. to to. And you look at someone, children. so like you look at someone with one kid and then you look at someone with four kids, right? You can look at someone with four kids and there's a huge amount of structure and stability in their house. So you can look at someone with two kids and it's fucking chaos, right? The difference is that. Uh, that person has been able to scale the, the things that worked with one and scale <laughs> it to scaled. four. That's all it is, dude. It's like <laughs> these so are the funny. systems and procedures in our house. No one said that to they me can before. they can do it with two. You can do it with two. You can do it with three. You can do it with four. But without that, dude, it's complete chaos. Yeah. You need to have that system and <laughs> that structure. They're lacking operations. You have to scale the business. Yeah, you have to scale the back end operations of a family in order to still have like control um, and structure in your family, especially yeah. with young kids. It's like one. You know, if you, if you have two parents, one of your parents has to be. The CEO and lead the direction. The other parents has to be the CEO. Yeah, to make absolutely. sure everything is running according. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's so correct. Funny. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. Um, anyway, we do have to wrap up soon. But but so you've consumed a lot of um, books and podcasts and yeah. things like that. Do you want to share some of the I guess books or podcasts or any yeah. any content that has probably made the biggest impact on you? Yeah, yeah. So um, 
the, I think if we go through transitions, right, there's books that were really important to me at the time that were less important to me now. Like if I read them, I wouldn't get the same lessons out. But like there was a book called Extreme Ownership by Jocko, which was really pivotal to me at that time when when I was in a coal mine that was unhappy. Um, that gave me fundamental leadership skills. It created like it helped me create a morning structure that I lean on now, um, which led me to, you know, like um, – quitting alcohol and creating like structure and freedom of my day or my morning to to allow me to acquire a high frequency that I can use to operate from. So like extreme ownership was imp- very important to me. And then there was other, there's other books more recently, right? Like um, one of which I referred to you, the, um, the cold start problem. Right? When, when I read that book, it, it was at a perfect time when we were building this tech business um, and it was understanding the importance of network and, and understanding the importance of audience, um, as opposed to like just having an amazing product. You can have the most, you can have the ultimate product, but without without have, without a network or without people to use it, it's irrelevant. It means nothing to nobody. So um, that's actually my favorite book, The Cult Start, particularly now with Boa and yeah, what I'm doing. And I made a lot of mistakes um, that that were in that book. Yeah. Um, but that that's currently my favorite. Yeah. Book. Yeah. It's yeah. a very very. He's got a really good email as well. So Andrew, um, Andrew Chen. Andrew Chen, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really powerful book. And um, yeah, there's um I think as we grow and, and we evolve as people, um, you know, the you know, the the books, you know, like I could read a book right now that would have not hit me at all four years ago. And I can read a book now that I did read four years ago is irrelevant, you know, right now. So um I think it's um yeah, wherever you are, and yeah, they're the two yeah, really important books for me. Yeah, but it's an interesting point that like and, and I've completely agreed, it's different books have imp- like a book that impacts you at the start of your business is obviously different to the book that impacts you yeah. well into your business. And yeah. it, it's just about that journey for me. Like I never read stories, yeah. you know, or, or fiction or whatever it's called. I, I, I read what I need to know at that specific point in time. Yeah. So if you were to go through my book, like my, my library, yeah. you'd see like collect- big collections of topics. And that yeah. was the topic at that time that I was, you know, that I was needing to improve on. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, that, okay, that's what you're describing. It's like you, you, what, what impacts you most through a book is what you need most at yeah. that time. I used to think fiction books, dude, were like just a waste. I, f- I used to think of them like they were just like a movie. It was just like entertainment. But what I realized um, was that fiction is an amazing way to deliver a message. So it's like you can deliver a message and it doesn't have to be a real life event or something that had happened. It can be like a story. It can be made up, but you, it's a really amazing way to deliver a message. And it's the same as kids like nursery rhymes, right? There's some nursery rhymes that are just an amazing way to deliver a message or to deliver like some sort of timeline. Um, so like, I think there's a, there's a place in fiction for, for all oh, of I'm, I'm yeah. sure there is. I, yeah. have, I just haven't got to it, but that's a really yeah. good point. Yeah. Um, anyway, we do have to wrap up. Yeah. But um to our listeners, if you want to get in contact with Courtney, you can go to cub.club forward slash podcast and find his details there, um, as well as uh, greatest lessons in business and links to the books he recommended, plus I think a couple more. If you want to catch up with Cub on social, it's at Club United Business on Instagram. It's equally as awesome. Legend, thank you so much My for coming pleasure, in brother. today and, I appreciate and you. hearing your story in business this is the first time I've really yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I've really heard the whole thing and hearing how Cub played a part in it is, is also yeah. great to hear. So Legend. thank you so much for coming on today. You're an incredible human being. I appreciate it. Cheers, dude. Hope you enjoyed the show. Peace.